decided to now start the shear in honor of Eliyahu ben Sarah for his refuah shlema and Robertson Sharon, you can take it away. Okay, so um, we are going along now at a clip of two prakam shot, and that today would be Bezrat Hashem. Uh, I don't know if we would do two prakam shot the next few chapters because today is the one where we finish uh, chapters 18 and 19. We're going to finish the actual geography stuff, which is the stuff where Yoshua bogs down. For most people learning Yoshua, they're like, oh, too much geography, too much, uh, too much uh, technical stuff. So they get a little discouraged. So that's why I'm taking two Prakim at a shot. And, um, and so today I want to do Yudchet and Yutet, not 18 and 19. Right, Ruthie? And um, uh, what happens here, it's very interesting, is the, 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 basically what we've done is so far is we have, we have gone through the Nahala on the East Bank, which is the two and a half tribes, Ruven, God, and half of Menasha. And then we've moved over to the West Bank and we've done Yehuda, the other half of Menasha and Ephraim. So if you're counting up, we've got Ruven, God, Menasha, Ephraim, and Yehuda. So we have five tribes. And the Navi has told us several times that Levi doesn't have a Shalek. So now by a process of very difficult math, we discover that there are seven tribes who have not got their Nahla yet. And chapter 18 is gonna deal with one of those tribes and chapter 19 is gonna deal with the other six. And by the end of chapter 19, we will have divided up the whole land. So let's begin. I'm screen share. Um, okay, so let's start here. I like to first see the, uh, the division of the chapters. Okay, this is chapter 18. Chapter 18 divides up into three sections, basically. This first section from Aleph to Yud is the action there's a discussion of Sheila, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then it's the action of Yehoshua in order to complete that where, where he wishes to uh, get the people to finish the conquest. And then you have, uh, starting from Yid Aleph, we have the, the, the inheritance of Binyamin. And that will be, the borders of Binyamin are going to be from Yid Aleph to Chav. And Chaf Aleph to Chaf Ched are going to be specific cities of Benyamin. So we have the begin of Perakit Ched, chapter 18, is basically the, uh, the plan that Yoshua has to further the conquest and the division of Benyamin. Then we take a look at Yutet. Okay, Yutet is the completion of our division of the land. And if you see starting Aleph, this first paragraph of this particular edition has a paragraph nicely. This is Shimon, Zebulun, Yisachar, Usher, Naphtali, ending with Don. <coughs> it's interesting that in the desert, Don was the Masef. Don was always the last tribe, and then the last tribe to get there, <coughs> their Nachla, and the last 
three psukim are talking about the inheritance of Yoshua, the individual, and that will wrap up all the division of the land. So today we're going to get uh, some serious progress. Okay, we'll go look, I think, here at the Mishula, which is nice and clear. Okay, Pasuk Aleph. Vayikalu kaladat b'nei Israel Shiloh. Vayashkinu shemet ol mo'ed v'aretz nechbeshal lefnehem. And all of the congregation of the children of Israel gathered at Shiloh, and they were mashkin. You notice that in the word mashkin is the word mishkan. They made there their mishkan at ol mo'ed v'aretz nechbeshal lefnehem. So this is a major, major important development. We only get one pasuk, but it is so, so critical. We're going to spend a few minutes on this particular subject. What has gone? What has gone on till now with the Mishkan? So the Mishkan has been in in um, <clears throat> in the desert thirty nine years. It was built in the second year, so thirty nine years in the desert, and then fourteen years in Gilgal. If you recall. Uh, okay. If you recall, when the Jewish people come into the land of Israel, they come over at Gilgal. And this is the first thing, if you can see on this map, this is where they, they enter the land, and that's where they set up the Oumoe, the tent of meeting, the Mishkan, and Gilgal. And the question is, at this point in time, in chapter 18, if we've gone through uh, the, the conquest, seven, seven years of conquest, seven years of division, 14 years have passed, and the Mishkan is in Bilbo, and now the Jewish people set it up up north here in Shiloh. You see Shiloh is in the territory of Ephraim, and it's close to, if you see, you can see on this map, this little place called Timnat Serach. At the end of chapter 19, we find that Timnat Serach is actually the city that Yoshua takes for himself. After everything else is divided, Yoshua gets this city. And that's also in the tribe of Ephraim. Yoshua is from Ephraim. And Shiloh becomes the place where the Mishkan rests. And <clears throat> so the first question is, why? why are we now moving the Mishkan? What happened here? So basically, and I heard this from um, uh, Menachem Lipte, he has a very good analysis of this, and he talks about it, he says, what's going on in Gilgal in those 14 years? So there's the families and the people who are not um, conquering, right? Who are not out there in the army, and they're basically living in Gilgal. Gilgal is their encampment, and it's going on for 14 years, and they have there their Mishkan, they have there their center of worship, and they have also uh, water from the Jordan, they're right near the Jordan, they have food from the land, and they're basically continuing the same existence that they had in the desert, right? The main conquest of the land of Israel has happened, but what's very important to know is that the entire conquest has not happened. This is going to be a recurrent theme at the end of Yeshua and very, very much so in Sefer Shoftim. Because the land is not conquered, we have a fifth column, we have our enemies amongst us, and you'll see how this plays out in forthcoming lessons. But for now, it's important to understand that why are we moving out of Gilgal? 
what's what's the point? So it seems as if Yoshua sees that there's a certain stop. The main conquests have happened. The tribe of Yehuda in particular, we've seen in chapters 14 and 15, Yehuda's taken over tons of land in the south. But now Yosef, Ephraim, and Menashe have done okay. We had the two and a half tribes on the East Bank, and now everyone else is like, okay, we're, we're good. There doesn't seem to be a great deal of momentum to continue the conquest. And Yoshua, right, this is what he suggests, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Yoshua says, well, you know, let's shake things up a bit. Let's move them up to Shiloh. I have the Mishkan in Shiloh, and let's see if that doesn't, you know, get them going. Now, it's very, very important, the movement to Shiloh, and uh, important thing here, by Echino Shemitolomoy, Rashi says, Lo Yasham Tikra. The Gemara has a whole discussion about what is the difference between the Mishkan in the desert and the Mishkan at Shiloh. We know that the Mishkan at Shiloh lasted for 369 years. That is a very, very long time. A very, very long, you can imagine. And what happens is during the time that Shiloh had the Mishkan, it was forbidden to have any private altars. And the, you know, that was a great sin. And similar, and after the fall of Shiloh, which is, happens in chapter four in Shmuel Aleph, when the Philistines, the Plishtim capture the Ark and the battle against the Jewish people, they take the Ark captive, they kill Hophni and Pinchas, Eli the Kohen Gadol dies as a result, and this is a catastrophe, and that seems to be the end of the Mishkan of Shiloh. After that, private altars are permitted until the time of the Beis HaMikdash. In between Shiloh and the Beis HaMikdash, the Mishkan is at uh, Nov, and when Nov is destroyed by Shaul in his anger at David and anyone who helped David, then it's moved to Gibbon. Eventually from there, it does end up in Yushalayim, but it's a, it's a long haul, the Mishkan. And, but the Mishkan in Shiloh is different than the Mishkan in the desert because the Mishkan in Shiloh had stone base and stone walls. The Mishkan in the desert had wooden walls and it, it never had stone. The top of the Mishkan was those uh, yuriot, the, the skins, like curtains and skins of, of animals, the tachash animal, and those were the same in Shiloh, but in Shiloh, it was a much more permanent structure. We really have to sit and think about why Shiloh is in such a great, um, you know, draw as Yerushalayim. Like, you know, we talk about Yerushalayim, and somehow Shiloh kind of gets relegated to the back burner. It's not such a, oh, must see, you come to Israel, you must see Shiloh. Could be just that it's just, you know, inconvenient and not in such a great neighborhood, but it's something to think about. Anyway, the, the... I recommend going there. Sorry, I'm interrupting, but I was there this past winter in Shiloh, and it was amazing to see where the Mishkan was or where they think it was. So if you go to Israel, if you're not in Israel already, I recommend going. You're right. It's amazing. It's amazing. And they, they find more stuff all the time. They do think they know where it was. But what's even more interesting, if you go to Shiloh, on the next hill, there's a shul which is built like the Mishkan. It's awesome. If you haven't seen that, 
it's really, really nice, really, really nice. Like they have like the, the shape of the Mishkan and the, you know, the the Bima and the, the Aaron Kodesh that will, you know, recalling the, the clay Kodesh. It's very, very nice. Anyway, so Shiloh is a big thing. Now, if you take a look at the end of Pasuk Aleph, the Haaretz Nechbeshal of Nehem, and the land was conquered before them. So that's a very interesting phrase. And what's it doing in the same passage? What are we learning from this phrase? So Rashi says something very interesting. Rashi says, Once the Mishkan was established, it was easier to conquer. So this, this is telling you the spiritual power of the Mishkan that gave the Jewish people more of a, uh, a foothold in the in the uh, in the land. Now it's interesting. The Harifraim location, which if you took take a look here, it's really uh, a big hill over here, a big mountain, and it's sort of safe and secure. And it could very well be that Yeshua thought this is going to be a great place. But if we look at the 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 history of Shiloh and the Tanakh, it doesn't seem to have been a great place. First of all. In um, Shoftim Perek Yudzayin, right, um, a man named Micha sets up his own little altar, and people go to the temple of Micha. So what's up? What's up with that? And then you have the story of the the girls dancing in Shiloh. So that's nice. It seems to have been a festival in Shiloh, and uh, today they try to recreate that on Tubaab. They try to create a festival at Shiloh, um, especially for young girls. And that's another story, but not for that, not for today. And and then you see the the corruption at Shiloh of, of Ailey's two sons. So it doesn't, you know, we don't get a great great feeling for it, especially when we find the Medrash talks about Elkanah. It was like he was going up to Shiloh. No one was going to Shiloh. So you have to think of why wasn't Shiloh a dwarf? But getting back to this to this point in time, if you look at our phrase here, by Yikalu Kaladask Israel. All of the congregation, the children of Israel got together and the Mishpasot Zahab says, what made everything work after this is that the Jewish people are united. They all got together. They all come to Shiloh. They're all there to erect the Oamoed. The, the prerequisite for getting the land, for settling the land is that Achdus, unity, and the uh, um, the peace between brothers. So that's something we have to remember. There is our life lesson. The Jewish people should stick together. We're all different. The twelve tribes are all different. And um, there's a famous Emes um, Yaakov on that. That Yaakov gathers them all together to give them the bracha. And, and Yaakov, Yaakov asks, well, if you're all giving them each a separate discussion, why do you have to gather them together? He says, because everyone's different and we all have to work together. That's the bottom line, I'm giving you a short version. Anyway, the Be'er Moshe also talks about this and says, now we're seeing the real purpose of conquering the land, right? It's not just, let's have a nice place for us to live. You know, the Irish have Ireland and, and, and the Italians have Italy. We have Israel. It was a center for Jewish life. And that was the crucial part of it. And we have to really remember that um, 
this is why this is why we're here. We're here in order to serve Hashem and to make him the center. And this is why the land became conquerable, if you can use that word. Okay, Pasuk Bet. And they remained in the children of Israel, those who did not get their nachlas, seven tribes. Okay, we made the count before. Okay. By Yomi of Shavon Israel, Pasuk Gimel, verse three. Yoshua is now going to give them Musa. How, how long are you going to be weak? Rafa is weak. You're weak. Why don't you come and conquer the land that God has given you? Mitrash Lin Rashi says, it's time for you to get up and do what you have to do. Now, if you think about this, you have to remember that we, we all tend to procrastinate and we all tend to take it easy and, and complacency is our middle name. And this is a big lesson that we have to take from here. We call it our second lesson. Please resume, if you have something to do, do it. Don't sit around and wait and wait and wait and wait, right? Obligations you take care of right away. Yeshua is criticizing them. But he he doesn't just sit around and criticize. He has a plan. Right? Let's have three people from each of these seven tribes for a total of 21 people. And I will send them and they will get up and they will walk the land and write it down according to their inheritance and they will come to me. So here's the plan. He says, look, Yehuda has covered the south. Let's look at the other map, okay? One second, no, I don't want to be the girl yet. Here, this is Rashi. Yehuda has the south here, and Yehuda has conquered that territory. The Bnei Yosef, that's Menashe and Ephraim right now, they have the north. That is the north up until this point, because from here on in, we're going to go further north, right? But he says, they've got that covered, but you guys have to do it with the rest. So go around. There's still plenty of land. Map it out. Come back to me, and I will make a lottery, right? And you see how much land is left on the uh, West Bank all the way up here. This is Lebanon. Sidon, Sidon today. And the Jewish territory went all the way up north there to Sidon, which it doesn't today, obviously. Sor is Tyre, T-Y-R-E. These are cities that are today Lebanon. And the Jewish territory was this heartland of um, West Bank, as far south as Beersheba, maybe a little further south. It doesn't go down like today to Leilat and also the East Bank, which was Jewish territory. And that's why the revisionists always saying, the Jabotinsky people used to sing, there were two banks of the Jordan. This one is ours, that is the West Bank. And that one's also ours, that's the East Bank. Today, that's Jordan, 
originally Transjordan, but this was a very different constellation of biblical Israel than it is today. In any event, go and map it out and then we'll make a lottery and we will give you a territory. What's the point of this? What does Yeshua want to accomplish? Here's your land. This is the section, let's say Naphtali, there's Naphtali, Naphtali, I want you out there. I want you to know what's your land, go get it. Okay, this is to push them in that direction. So the question is, right, why, why have they been reluctant until now? What has been holding them back? So the Abiyamanel is a very interesting theory. The Abiyamanel says, the, the tribes that conquered, conquered, the other tribes feel like the minute we, we divide up, everyone's gonna be in it for themselves. And we're not going to be able to conquer because each tribe is not going to be strong enough. But we need to do this together. So let's conquer together. And then we can divide up. But, but you're not doing it. You're not doing it. And Yehoshua gives them lesson number one. Whatever you're supposed to do, you're supposed to do. Whatever's going to happen is going to be up to Kodesh Baruch Right? The fact that you would like to all fight together that's not the point. Kodesh Baruch Hu will give you what you're supposed to get. Take your nachla, do your best, and, and go do what you have to do. So this is our uh, very important lesson that Yoshua is teaching us, right? Your hashtadlis is always important, but the, the end result isn't going to be what Hashem decides it's going to be, and that's the way it is. Okay, so this is passive Vav. Um, the interesting word here that he uses, Yariti, we wrote in modern Hebrew is to shoot, right? And Rashi says, we, I will throw like Yarabayam and we'll send it down, right? And later on, he uses the term when it actually happens by Yashlef Goral, he throws down a Goral. It's interesting, these words, Malbim has a whole discussion about it, about how um, really, right? There's a certain thing when you when you he peel right we have something in the in forum to cast lots we have different words here, and the Malbim says that depends on if you know your target or not, right? If you're shooting something, you you're aiming at something specific, and Yeshua knows that it, it's all going to be according to what Hashem wants. So we're recapping the same principle. We have the Levium are not part of this Cheshbon, they're not part of this account, but the Tunhan and the Tunhan tribes are in the East Bank, they're not part of it. That is what Moshe gave them on the East Bank. And the people got up and they went, and Yeshua commanded those who were going to write down the land. They're surveyors making maps of the land. Go around and write it down and come back here, and I will. Um, throw down your lot before God at Shiloh. In other words, it's all going to be up to God. They do it. Okay, I just want to point out something that is very interesting. This Sefer Yeshua is a very um, long time ago. And 
it's important to note this, and this actually, we see this also in Sefer Shoftim. All Jews are literate. Write it down, Yoshua says. They know how to write, they know how to read. Up until not so long ago, 100, 200 years ago, most of the world was illiterate, illiterate and Jews were never illiterate. It's something really to think about. We are really the people of the book. It's just very natural and you don't even notice it. Yoshua says, go write it down. Nobody knew how to write. In those years, who knew how to write? Okay, Pasuk Yud. And Yeshua makes a lottery and um, he does the Goral in Shiloh. Now we have a central place. Shiloh is our place. And they go there and Yeshua divides up the land to the children of Israel according to their divisions. And the, we talked about the lottery. We don't have really time to go into it, but if you recall, the basic idea of the lottery is that it, the, the Kohen Gadol is there, the Orm Batum is there, it's uh, Pi Hashem, who is, is orchestrating this, and each tribe is going to get their piece of land, and then within that, they're going to divide according to families. Okay, Pasek Yudal, now we're going to go to the nitty-gritty of Binyamin. And the lot of the tribe of Binyamin to their families came out and their border of their lot was between the sons of Yehuda and the sons of Yosef. So if you take a look at this map, okay, I want you to see how Binyamin is the critical mass in the center. Okay, you look here at Yehuda, all right, I don't know if I can make it bigger, I hope you can see. Yehuda is to the south, right? Binyamin is right here, sandwiched between Yehuda and Ephraim, and Dan is to the west. So you have here, right, the tribe of Binyamin, they have this little bit, the border on the east is going to be the Jordan, to the north, Ephraim, to the west, Dan, and south, Yehuda. Now, fascinatingly enough, Binyamin connects Ephraim and Yehuda. Ephraim and Yehuda were, um, let's say, the, the, the tribes that back in Gracious, right? It's Yosef, Ephraim is the son of Yosef, right? It's Yosef and Yehuda who had this massive confrontation in Parshas Vayigash. And it's Binyamin who comes in between, and Binyamin, who's the one, was able to bridge that gap. So it's actually very interesting how uh, <coughs> Binyamin can unite Yosef and Yehuda. It's also the, um, the inheritance of Binyamin and Yehuda, that's where the base of mentions. You see here Yerushalayim? Can you see Yerushalayim? Yerushalayim is the, in the border between Binyamin and Yehuda. And the Gemara discusses this and says, you know, sometimes, some opinions are, I'm sorry, not sometimes, some opinions are that the base of Midrash was in the place of Yehuda, and some of it was a place of Binyamin. These two tribes are the tribes where the base of Midrash ends up. Now, if we go back to Breshit, let me just see if I got here. Parshas Vayichi. Okay. Binyamin. Where are we? Binyamin, 
no, 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 no. Okay, it must be in. Okay, here it is. Got the wrong brachas there. The bracha of Moshe, the bracha of Moshe for Binyamin, Libinyamin Amar Yedir Hashem, Yishkon Labetach Alav, Chofeit Alav Kalayom, Ubein Ketepav Shachem. Okay, Binyamin's bracha for Moshe Rabbeinu is, you are the beloved of God, and you will dwell securely near God, and God will chofeif, God will um, protect you or hover over you all day and dwell between your shoulders. Now, interestingly enough, right, that sort of would sound like God, God is in that place, you know, the, the place of the base of English is in the section of Binyamin. And if we take a look at the text, you'll see that the word kateif, which is shoulder, God is going to dwell between the shoulders of Binyamin. That word is repeated again and again. Okay. In the east, Pasuk Yudbet, right? Allah will ketef yericha, the shoulder of yericha. In the north, Pasuk 13, right? Ketef luza, right? In the, in the west, right? Uh, where is it? Ketzef Arava, and then you have Ketzef Beit Chagla. It's very interesting, and it's not by accident that the the shoulders that God is going to dwell between the shoulders of Binyamin. Those shoulders are mentioned here um, in every side of Binyamin. Okay, now. Let's just spend a few minutes on the geography. All right, I'll just show you on the map. Okay, Binyamin's tribe, the territory goes from this, it's easier to see here. I have a lot of maps here. Okay, over here from the Jordan, all around, this up to Luz, and then around here, this area is Binyamin. Now, those of you who live in Israel, those of you who visit Israel, you know that there's many places where it says, you see the buses, Mate Binyamin. So Binyamin is in that territory, which is north of Yerushalayim. And all these descriptions, Yud Aleph, the lot of Bnei Binyamin, right? Between Yehud and Yosef, the border, let me just find something a little bit in English for you. Here, uh, yeah, okay, right. Pasuk 13, the border was circled from the hill from Beit Charon south, Kiryat Baal, Kiryat Yarim. That is a city of the children of Yehuda. That's the west side. Uh, the border from Luz, this is verse 13, the side of Luz south. The south side was the end of Kiryat Yarim. That's, that's Yehuda. If you remember Kiryat Yarim, is Telstone, that's where you live, Margalit, that's Kiryat Ya'arim, and that is a Yehuda town. That was a border town of Yehuda, and north of that was Binyamin. The border went down to the end of the mountain, lies from the valley of the son of Hinnom. Now, Gay Ben Hinnom, by the way, just for your information, that is the uh, valley that is between 
the uh, Shariafo. And if you notice, there's like, you know, today there's like a big um, arena there where they have concerts. That is the Valley of Mehinom. And at the time of the, um, the pagan worship, that was the valley where they would kill the children in the service of the Molech. And they would beat the drums and there would be a lot of fire and the drums would be beating so to, to hide the noise of the screaming children who were being burnt and put to death in this hor horrific uh, pagan ritual. And it became the name that we use for hell, Gehenum. That comes from the Valley of B'nai a bit of interesting information for you. And it went down to the Emek Rafa'im. Now that sounds also familiar for us Israelis. There's a, uh, a street called Emek Rafa'im, where there's a lot of nice restaurants. And if you keep going down, it goes to the valley. I don't know if there were any ghosts there or giants, but uh, that's what it is. It Yavusi, the Jebusites, which was where they had taken over Shalayim. Betar mitzafomi atzayin shemesh. Circle went to Ein Shemesh, Glilot, Adumim, heading toward Male Adumim, uh, Arava, and the Beit Chogla. This is the end of this thing, and the Jordan borders on the east side. This was inheritance of the children of Binyamin by its borders right about, of course, their families. Now, I did not mention that, uh, and this is something we see at the end of this parak, right? What happens is after verse 20, where we have the general borders of Binyamin, then we list the cities of Binyamin. Some of them we know where they are, some of them we don't. But I did forget to mention that the city of Yavus is another name for the city of Yushalayim. And one of the reasons that Yoshua sets up that Mishkan in Shiloh is because we can't get to Yushalayim. Yushalayim was still conquered by the Yavusi, and I think I mentioned to the previous Shurim that not only were the Yavusi tough and fierce to conquer, but also the, um, the covenant between Abraham and, El and Abimelech had not yet finished, so we were not really able to conquer. We were bound by that covenant. Okay, the last Epsukim here are specific cities. Uh, Yericho is Binyamin territory. Uh, who, what else would you know? Beit El, Ofra, what else would you know? Um, Amona, very controversial in Israel. Geva, Givon, Rama, Mitzpeh, a lot of very popular places in the Yemen. So we're going to move now to chapter 19. Okay. Now I showed you that chapter 19 is the other six, the other six tribes. And now what happens? Wait a second. We have something here we never saw before. The inheritance, right, of Shimon is within the inheritance of Yehuda. Now, if you look at any of these maps, like take a look here. Look, Yehuda is this massive territory, and right in the middle there is Shimon. What is that about? What is that about? We're going to talk about it in a minute. Let's get back to the text, right? It says here, 
פסק ב', ויהי להם מנחלתם באר שבע ושבע מולדה, באר שבע זה שבעותם, and another bunch of names that you would recognize, חצר שבוע, בעלה ועצם, אל תולד, ביטול, חורמה, פסק ג', פסק ד', פסק ה', סיקלג, we find סיקלג, a lot of stuff with דבר המלך later, and סיקלג, בית מעקבות, חצר סוסה, ובית לבעות, שבעים שלוש עשרה חצרי, 13 cities, עין רימון, בעצם ואושן נרים, ארבעה. Okay, altogether 17 cities of Shimon within the territory of Yehuda. This is their territory, right? All of these borders and their towns, Pasek Tzad, Mechevel B'nei Yehuda, Nachla B'nei Shimon. Ki ha'yechelik B'nei Yehuda rav mehem, ba'yinachal B'nei Shimon b'toch nachalatam. Pasek. Okay, so Pasek Tet gives us one reason why it might be that the territory of Shimon is within the territory of Yehuda, because Yehuda conquered so much land, they didn't need it all. So, okay, Shimon, listen, we have plenty of land. It's actually Negev territory. Even today, it's sparsely populated. You know, uh, people live in the center more. People don't go down. Beersheba, Dimona, these places are not... as large as other cities in the, in the center, even in the north. And that's one reason, because Yehuda took a lot of land. They, they were very, uh, uh, very active in the conquest. But another reason that's offered, and it's a very interesting one, if you go to the uh, beginning of Shoftim, you'll find that Yehuda and Shimon made a pact to conquer together. They conquered together and they settled together. But let's talk about the theory here. What's the theory, right? We have, we're going back to the Bechaz Yaakov. We're looking at it before, but really now I want you to see it. Um, yeah, that's Dina. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. When Yaakov gives his brachot, right? Some of them don't actually sound like brachot. He's not so happy with Rubain and he's very unhappy with Shimon and Levi. And he says to them, right? Shem and Velevi Achim, these guys are brothers. They're in everything together. But they've stolen their weapons. In other words, that's Esau stuff. That's not Yaakov stuff. I don't want to be involved in their plots and I don't want to be blamed for the things they do. They killed a man with their anger and they uprooted a shore. The shore is a reference to Yosef. Shem and Levi, are up to a lot of trouble when they get together. First of all, they kill out the city of Shem. That's bad enough. But they're also behind the plot to get rid of Yosef. And Yaakov is very angry at them. When he gives the bracha, he says to them, Arur apam ki az. Now, he does not curse them. He curses their anger. Evra tam ki kashata evra is another uh, expression for anger. I will divide them up in Yaakov, and I will spread them out in Israel. Now we have a very interesting Keta. What's actually happening here? Shimon and Levi are both cursed that they are going to be spread out. But if you look at what happens, and this we're going to see later in chapters 20, 21, you're going to see that the Levium gets 48 cities, six of which are cities of refuge, of refuge in the land, and they have cities all over. And the Levium were there, Nachalai is God. So the Nevi'im go into this really great place. They're separated out, but they're separated out and doing great stuff. Kodesh Baruch Hu is their Nachala. But Shimon is separated out 
and they're sort of put in a bad place. Shimon is separated out and they're like within Yehuda, they're kind of there. So the Nitziv, Rabbi Naftali to Yehuda Berlin, whose commentary on the Chumash is called Ha'amek Davar, has a very interesting discussion of where Shimon and Levi diverge, okay? So if you go back to the story of the rape of Dina, right? Pasuk Zion here. When they hear what happened with Dina, they come from the field and they're very, very upset. By by they're sad and they're very upset. An abomination. Nevala is an abomination happened in Israel. Leshkab et Beit Yaakov, et Bat Yaakov, to sleep with the daughter of Yaakov. You can't do such a thing. Now, the Hamak Dover says Yisrael and Yaakov are two separate terms. Yisrael connotes the spiritual aspect of the Jewish people, and Yaakov connotes the more physical aspects. And he makes this distinction. He says, it was Levi who said, Israel. This is a Chilat Shem. This is a, a desecration of God's name, what happened here. But it was Shimon who said to sleep with the daughter of Yaakov. He's disturbed by the injury to the family, and it's a lot more personal to him, and he's not referencing Hashem. And the Hamekdavar does a very interesting thing here. He takes it back to the story of um, the plague that happens um, in the end of Parshas Balak and beginning of Parshas Pinchas. If you look at that story, what happens? The Midianites and the Moabites, they entice the Jewish men and they sin with these women. Specifically, the prince of the tribe of Shimon, whose name is Zimri, sins with the princess of Midian, Cosby, the daughter of Tzur, and they are put to death by Pinchas, who is a descendant of Levi. So here we have the break. Shimon is on the side of the sinners, and Levi is on the side of those who are righting the wrong. And they've diverged here. It's a very, very interesting uh, uh, explanation. And in fact, the people of Shimon were on Shimon's side because they're taking on the family, Batyakov, they're clannish. They're hanging to each other. But Levi says, we don't care about the family. We care about the Chil Hashem. And that's why Pinchas comes forward and puts a stop to that. So when we take those stories down to the division of the land, we see that Levi has stuck with God. Mila Shem Eli, at the time of the Cheda Egel, Levi is always there. And Hashem says, Levi is going to be the one who is going to um, spread out in Israel have a good influence, those cities where they have the, uh, they're collecting their masrot, they're going to be out there ambassadors of God. But Shimon, because Shimon's dangerous philosophy of family first and clannishness, so he gets put in the middle of Yehuda, let's contain that philosophy. It's very, very interesting. I like this, I make Dabba very much. And what do we learn from it? We learn that our, our view of things has to be more global, right? Our, our lesson from that, our takeaway is that we have to look at things in that way also. How is this impacting the way Hashem runs the world? Is this a Chil Hashem? That is our focus. If it's a Chil Hashem, then that's a terrible thing. But it's mo more significant, perhaps, 
than what happens to us. Okay, so this is what happens to Shimon. And then we go on to the only one of the tribes that gets this appellation by Yaal, this, it went up, was Zvulun. Because we know historically that Zvulun and Yisachar make a pact. Zvulun will support the, the Torah learning of Yisachar and get the reward for that, and Yisachar will do the Torah learning. And we saw that in the... Uh, Bracha of Moshe. Where are we? Let's forget it because it's taking time. The should be rejoiced with their commerce and their going out and with their tense of learning. And that's the Aliyah. The respect giving to Zvulin that they're mentioned first because of their support for Torah. And that's another lesson for us that supporting Torah is very, very important. Those who can learn Torah, like the Yisachers of the world, that's great. But the Zebulans of the world get honor here and they're mentioned first. And then we talk about this. I should probably go back to the English because I think it's useful. Uh, yeah, here we are. Zvulin, Marala Dabesh Yoknaan, Hitler Tabar Dabra. We don't know where these places are. Gat Hefer up north, we know that is Rimon, the border of the side of Hanaton, Katzaf Nachliel, Shimron, Idala, all the inheritance of. Now, the reason I gave you two maps is because if you look at the map of here, Nachalot Hashvatim Rashi, Zvulin actually is not Achof Yamin. The Yakus of Alcidon, it's a problem. It is a problem. The Das Mikra in their atlas says uh, it's not exactly that. That is why the Vilnagal, the Gra, says no, it actually wasn't like that. And the, the problem with the Vilnagal's map is that it's, it's a little bit weird. He says Zvulan has this tract of land in part of Asher going all the way up to Tzidon. That's Zvulan. It's because the, the Vilnagal wanted to make sure that the bracha of Moshe, right, and, and of Yaakov, that they would be up north, Yaakov of Sidon, right, that they're Lechof Yamim, that that would be correct. Well, we have a little bit of a problem because Zvulun is not exactly Lechof Yamim. It's really Asher who has that, that, uh, so uh, it's, it's not, not clear exactly how that works. Honestly, it's a, it's a toughie. Okay. And Yisachar, Yisachar, it doesn't even stop because Yisachar and Zebulun are such a pair. It goes right together. And we go up the, the, the valley of, of Israel and other names that we are familiar with. Beit Shemesh, this is not the Beit Shemesh, um, but other places, Tabor, Har Tabor, we know that. And uh, I'm just trying to highlight the places that we do know. And then we get to Hargarola Chavishi B'nai Asher, and that is um, on the uh, border there. And the names that we recognize, uh, Carmel and Evron, Rehov, Hamon, Rama, Achziv. Um, Ma'afek, Rehov, this is the inheritance of the tribe of Asher. The sixth lot is Naphtali. 
and Naphtali is Elon Batsadanim. We know that from the story of Devorah, Atzna Tabor, Ser, Hamad, right, and Chatzor, Migdal. A lot of these places we do know the names and we don't, um, some we don't. Okay, you see that Zavulin is north, not necessarily on the, on the coast. Asher is on the coast and Naphtali is on the east. And between them, these tribes have covered the north, the Galil, Naphtali's will and Asher and Issachar. What do we do with Dan? Dan is a conundrum. If you take a look at the map here, okay, this is Rashi's map. Dan's territory is here. Dan's territory stretches west of Binyamin over here. And what we know today is the whole Beit Shemesh area, the whole Tel Aviv area, Yafo is there. If you look at the cities of, of Dan in English, those are the ones you're gonna know, okay? Where's the inheritance of Dan, right? Sarav Eshtaol and Ir Shemesh. Oh, on the way to Beit Shemesh. We see Tzara, we see Eshtaol, it's where Shemeshon came from, Shalabim. Ayalon, Timna, Ekron, Gifton, Yehud, Benebrak? Hey, did you know that? That Benebrak already was a place in the Tanakh. Gat Rimon, right? Kiryat Gat we have, Yarkon, Moyafo. The whole Tel Aviv area was done. And today, that whole area is called Gushdan. And the name of the bus company that runs in Tel Aviv, if, I'm, if it hasn't changed by now, is Dan. So that is the tribe of Dan, and that is their border. But in Memzion, we find out. What does that mean? The border went out from them. What does that mean? It, it seems to mean that they didn't have enough room. Dan really couldn't put themselves there. Now, apparently, and we see this later in Shoftim, the Emori were very strong. And Dan didn't really have the to go fight the Amori, and they didn't know what to do. They didn't have enough place. So the story that's mentioned in Mem Zion is actually told in Shoftim chapter 18 in full, but just to give you the short version, by Yalu B'nei Zan, Pasuk Mem Zion, B'nei Zan went up, by Yilachim Um Leshem, and they fought with Leshem, by Yilkaduot, so they captured it, by Yakuot Alafi Cherev, and they they uh, struck it by the sword, by Yeshua, that they inherited it, by Yeshua, Baba Yikul, Sheshem, the Leshem, Dan, Keshem, Dan, and they called the city Dan. Now, if you look at the map back here, right, there's Dan. Dan has taken over Laish, which is really today uh, Golan Heights territory. If you look at this map, right, not the Gra Rashi, there's Dan, and there's Dan. So apparently, Dan didn't have enough space. Didn't want to fight with the Amori, and they said, you know, let's go up there. And this is an infamous story, and it doesn't reflect well on the tribe of Don, because they should have conquered their own territory. They went all the way up here to a very peaceful place, Lesha. They conquered it. And in so doing, they made a grave Hashem because they stole the idol of Micha, and they set it up up there. And if that wasn't bad enough, it became a, a place of bad repute later on when Yerav and ben Nevat sets up a golden calf there, and it's problematic. But in better days, the time of Shlomo, we had this expression from Dan in the north to Beersheva in the south, there was prosperity. So Halavai, Ezrat Hashem, 
we should have that kind of peace of prosperity like in the times of Shlomo Amela. But in any event, that is what Don did. Just to finish the Perek, right? And a lesson from Don is you should stick to your own place. But the interesting thing is, and I think it's also a lesson, HaKadosh Baruch Hu took care of them and helped them win their battle and he helped them settle there. And that is the great mercy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is always something that we have to bear in mind. Even when you're doing something that's not quite what you want to be doing, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has Rachmanis. One more thing. The end here is very telling. After all these places, right? <clears throat> Uh, I think I skipped our pack. There we go. We passed it all here. Pasig memchet zot nachal vatei bnei dan lemishchotam erem elo chazrehen. This is the inheritance of Don. Next, memchet vayichalul and chol to arts and boratzah. They finished vayichulu ashamayim arts. It was done. This was the end. Geography lessons are probably almost over. There's more, but this was the hard stuff, and you are troopers to stick with me for all this tough stuff. But now, by the second half, all of a sudden they wake up, and I'm very proud of the Jewish people that they did wake up. Where are you going to live? Boker According to God, God gave Yoshua what he wanted, which was a city by the name of Timnat Serah in the mountain of Ephraim, and he built the city and he dwelt in it. Okay, and it's very important to understand what this means, right? Yoshua does not ask anything for himself. It's only when the Jewish people say, Wait, what about you, Yoshua? That he says, Well, whatever God gives me, whatever's left, I'll take that. And this is a huge lesson for us, something to take away that a, a Jewish leader, a real Jewish leader, is not concerned with his own, you know, lining his pockets. Just look what goes on today. You know, you, you, you enter the Knesset and you like you could retire for life. And this is, uh, you don't ever get the feeling that these people are, are there for you. You know, the early leaders of the Jewish people lived in little apartments in Tel Aviv in two bedrooms, Menachem Begin, Ben Gurion. They did not take all their money and, uh, you know, it's something to think about. And this week's Parsha's Korah, Nahum, in Israel. And in Parsha's Korah, right, Moshe Rabbeinu in challenge says, I never took anything to assure me like, what did I ever do to these people? Moshe was incredibly selfless. And the Haftorah Shmuel, who echoes Moshe, right? And he says, did I take anything from anyone? And this is a huge lesson for us that the, the real Jewish leaders were there for the people and not for themselves. Something for us to remember because we live in a very, very selfish world in a very, very selfish generation. And everything is about yours truly, just me, you know, and this is not what we're being taught in the, in the Torah. Now, Timnat Sarah has called different names, right? And the Chazal, it's called also Timnat Cheres, which is pottery, and Serach, which is a bad smell. And uh, so the Chazal say it started off as being a very barren place, Cheres, like pottery. And by once Yoshua, the great Sadiq, came into this place, 
it became very fruitful, so fruitful and so abundant that the, the ripe fruits everywhere were, 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 were rotting. They didn't have what to do with them. And so there we came Timnat Serah in Harifrayim, not far from Shiloh. I showed you that on the map, right? In the territory of Ephraim, no, this is not detailed enough. Here, the territory of Ephraim, you see here Timnat Serah, and here's Shiloh. Now, one more Pasik and we're done. Pasik Nun Aleph. Eila Nechalot Ashenichalu Elazar Akom Rashubinun, the Russia Avot Lamatot Bene Israel, the Goral Bishilof Nehashem Petahom Moed by Halum Nechalek and Aleph. These are the inheritances that Elazar Hakohen and Yoshua Benun and the, the heads of the tribes were given in the lottery at Shiloh before God at the entrance to the tent of meeting, the Mishkan and they finished dividing the land. Major, major milestone in Sefer Yoshua. That is the end of the division. We're gonna talk afterwards about the cities of the Rebbeim and um, hopefully in a few weeks we could wrap up the Sefer on the part